as a business owner, your highest paid employee is the IRS. Boo. To grow your business, it is crucial that you learn and implement tax saving strategies. This has been such a pain point for my business that I started searching for tax strategy experts and I came across the podcast called Small Business Tax Savings. From the very first episode and every episode thereafter, I learned something new and valuable. I am truly honored to have as our special guest today, certified public accountant and the host of the Small Business Tax Saving Podcast, Mike Jezoshek. Listen Notes ranks his podcast in the top 1% of podcasts globally. Mike also offers a tax minimization program to teach small businesses how to legally shrink their tax bill. You are guaranteed to receive massive value from today's episode. So stay tuned. bosses are you working even after putting the kids to bed but still not getting results are you tired of spending money on ads that aren't getting engagement do you feel burdened that you aren't fulfilling your purpose in life because you are so consumed with work i'm your host Brooke Bolts. I'm an attorney and founder of Bolts Legal. I started my business and in one year was bringing in seven figures and am now bringing in multi seven figures. And I'm your co-host Rachel Bolts, owner of Bolts Media. I've helped many businesses build their online presence and increase their revenue through digital marketing. Want to hear how we did it? We are here to help you achieve your goals personally, professionally, and spiritually. So kick off your high heels sit back and let's ignite that passion we're miss biz where we're putting the miss in biz let's get biz done so mike a lot of tax strategists tell you to save money on taxes to go out and buy a bunch of expensive things that you don't really need but that's not your advice. How are your tax strategies different? Yeah, no, I think that that's, and, and that's such a common thing. And, you know, I always say like, if you do need a new truck, if you do need a new piece of equipment, sure, let's, let's kind of utilize tax code the way it's written, but let's not go buy things we don't need. Because at the end of the day, if you buy something for a hundred dollars as an example, and you save 32 cents in taxes, you're still out, you know, whatever that 78 cents is in, in total. And so you're just getting something on a discount that you didn't really need anyways. And so when we look at this idea of maximizing deductions, I think it's so important to understand kind of what that means. And the best way to describe it is to look at this idea of pre-tax versus after-tax dollars. And most people think of after-tax spending and the, the best way to describe after-tax spending is let's think of a W-2 employee. So a non-business owner, just a W-2 employee that's working for somebody and they have gross wages and then they have all these taxes taken out that the employer takes out on their behalf and then they have their take-home pay in any spending that they do whether it's paying for kids basketball camps or buying groceries anything they do is considered after-tax spending because they're using the dollars of money the, the dollars that they're spending with is money that's already been taxed and so if we look at this flip side for, as a business owner 
you have sales, and then you have all these expenses that go into it, and then you have your profit of your business. And any spending that you do prior to that profit piece is considered a pre-tax spending because as a business owner, you get taxed on the profit of your business. And so that's this idea that we constantly want to be thinking about when we think of this idea of maximizing deductions is how can I turn after-tax spending, spending that is doing, done after being taxed, how can I find a business purpose and move that into, into pre-tax spending? And I think that's the power when you talk about this idea of maximizing deductions, I think that's the way that where majority of the power is. And so the best way to illustrate this as well is let's let's imagine when when COVID hit. If you were a W two employee, you were working in an office. Now you get sent home. You go. You're using a home office. You're putting heat and AC in that home office. You're buying a desk. You're buying a computer chair. You're buying a a, a laptop screen. All for that for that home office that you have now. And you get no deduction on that. You know all that spending that you're doing on that is considered after tax spending. You don't get a deduction for it as a W two employee. But as a business owner, that desk you bought, that home office that you're sitting in, that computer screen that you bought, that's all business expenses. And all that spending you're doing now is pre-tax spending. It's a business expense prior to those funds being taxed. And so that's kind of this, this concept of moving after-tax spending into pre-tax spending. And there's so many things in the day-to-day -day life of business owners that we can tie to our business. And we'll talk about some of those ideas like hiring your kids and, and meals and travel and all those different things about there's as a business owner our business is engulfed in our life in many different areas and there's ways that we can intertwine that to move spending that we're already going to do we're going to do no matter what but now we're going to get a pre-tax deduction for it instead of using after-tax dollars and so home office is a is a great example of that where if you have a home you have that expense, whether you're a business owner or not, you're going to have that same exact expense. But now as a business owner, we can take a deduction for it. We can take a deduction for our cell phone. We can take a deduction for our internet. And those are all pre-tax spending. And so when people come to me and say, Hey, you know, it's end of the year. Should I just go buy a new truck and, and get a bonus depreciation and, and clear out my income? I say, well, do you need a new truck? Is there a reason for that new truck that, you, that, you, that you're going to go buy? And they're like, no, I mean, the one I have is perfect, but you know, obviously I need a tax deduction. I say, well, let's, let's look at different things first. Let's look at the other spending that you've done throughout this year personally and see if we can find some ways to be creative and think about, Hey, is there a way that we could turn that from after-tax spending into pre-tax spending. If you enjoy the Miss Biz podcast, but still have questions or need advice, we have some exciting news for you. Join us for Miss Biz Connects. Miss Biz Connects is a weekly one hour Zoom call on Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is one hour each week dedicated to you. We want to meet you and put our brains together to help you grow personally, professionally, and spiritually. To access the meeting link, visit us on our social media pages at Miss Biz Podcast or send us an email to MissBizPod at gmail.com. Join us this Friday and let's grow the Miss Biz Nation. And that is what I love about your teachings and your podcast is the creativity that you bring to the things that we're already spending money on and categorizing it now or showing us how to properly categorize it as a business, 
business expense. I have gone on a search for tax strategists to help me lower my tax liability. And every time they just tell me the same things I already know. And for the first time when I started listening to your podcast, I heard new ideas I hadn't heard before. And that why that is why I was so impressed with what you were teaching and thought other business owners need to hear these strategies. So let's start talking now about the top five um, tax saving strategies for small businesses. And you talk a lot in your podcast about maximizing business deductions. What are some ways that a small business can do that? Yeah. So, you know, again, it's this idea of moving after tax spending and into pre-tax spending. And so if we look at an example, let, let's, let's look at travel. You know, when you, when you travel for business, that's a deductible business expense, the hotel, the Airbnbs, the airfare, all of that is deductible business expenses. And what the IRS looks like, it looks at as a business day is means that the majority of the day you spend on business, then that day is considered a business day. And when they look at the majority of the day, they're looking at, you know, average day, is eight hours, a workday is eight hours. So if you spend four hours and one minute on business for a day, that's considered a business day. Now the IRS doesn't care if you then go to the beach, you go to amusement parks with your family, whatever you're doing, they don't care as long as the majority of that day was spent on business. And so I think that this provides a really cool opportunity for business owners is saying, hey, we have a family vacation planned. We have a family vacation coming up. Can I intertwine that with some business? Could I maybe attend a conference on that on that on that trip that we're taking? Could I visit a rental property? Is there clients? Is there a vendor? Is there something out and where we're going that I can tie some of this to business and at least get some business days as part of that travel? Now I always kind of tell people like you don't want to do this every time or your spouse is probably going to kill you, but you know we want to try to think about this and be creative in these ways of hey, you know, if we're going to Disney with the family, you know, is there a conference going on in Disney that I can spend four hours and one minute or five hours a day doing that conference and then doing everything else I'd normally do with my family on that trip. And now it's a business trip. So that's this kind of idea of, okay, we're planning this trip to Disney. How can I tie this to business and get at least a partial business deduction for it? Now, obviously, with all tax strategies, and this is kind of this overall concept of tax planning, whenever I'm looking at a tax strategy, I, I have to hit two pieces. One, is it legal? And obviously, we would never do something that's illegal. So we've, if we've, we've hit a strategy that can't pass that, that mustard, then we're throwing that one out the door. But the second piece is, are we dotting our I's and crossing our T's? Are we doing what we can to protect ourselves? Because that's the important piece. You know, the home office deduction is completely legal, but is there a way to make the way that we dot our I's and cross our T's make it illegal? Yeah, absolutely. If we take a home office deduction for 100% of our home, that's blatantly illegal. Like, how is it a home office if it's 100% office and you know it's not a home then it's just an office and so there's ways that we want to look at those things and, and that goes with all of our planning is saying okay concept makes sense it's legal we found ways to do it now we just need to make sure we're doing it right we're dotting our i's crossing our t's and so if we look at that travel as an example if we're going to Disney with our family, obviously, if our family is not part of our business, the travel associated with them is is not included as that business expense piece. Or if we're buying a five bedroom Airbnb instead of a one bedroom hotel, you know, we'd have to account for okay, we don't need a five bedroom Airbnb if it was just me traveling for this business piece. And so those are just some factors that we need to factor into it. But travel, I think, is a great way of saying okay, how can we intertwine um, 
business with the travel that we may be doing anyways. And so that's kind of one idea when it comes to, to maximizing deductions. Another one that's very common is, is meals. And, you know, we say that as a business owner, you're constantly talking about your business, whether you realize it or not, but you go out to dinner, you go out to lunch with a friend, a family member, you know, is there, are you guys talking about business? Are you asking them for referrals? Are you asking them for advice in an employee that you have or asking them for advice in a client situation that popped up? You know, there's all these different times where you think that you're just going out to lunch or dinner with a friend or family member, but at the end of the day, you talk business at it. Well, that's a business deduction. You know, if you can find a reason that's ordinary and necessary, why is this a business deduction? You know, that's something that we should be taking care of. And so those are kind of the ideas we want to start being creative again of saying, okay, everyday life, what are we doing in our everyday life? What's the spending we're doing? Every time I swipe my credit card, is there a business purpose for this? Can I find a business purpose that I can validly back up and support if so, let's take advantage of it. Let, let's let's utilize the code to our advantage, but also let's make sure we're protecting ourselves. We're keeping receipts. We're keeping that documentation to back up that business proof and that spending that we're doing. Absolutely. And I really appreciate the clarity that you bring to business owners. I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, and it was discussing about going through your personal account and seeing if there were any business-related opportunities. For example, you might have went to lunch with a friend and then ended up talking about business the entire time. And another tip that you had brought up specifically about travel was using an app to track your mileage and then using different documentation factors to kind of reinforce um, the fact that you had used this for travel, just in case the IRS did question you about anything, you had the receipt of where you had visited for lunch or for coffee and you had, um, you know, like a calendar entry kind of validating where you were in that moment. So I really do appreciate you kind of encompassing everything and just making it very clear and concise to people who um, may not think that might not be top of mind for them. Um, and I know a lot of times in your different uh, podcast episodes, you talk about different different tips for different corporations um, and talk about reviewing your entity structure. So is an S corporation, is that what you recommend for most small businesses? Yeah. So, you know, I think an S corporation is definitely a strategy and we can talk about, you know, that strategy, why we like it. And it's a strategy that, yes, we see a lot of small business owners that we work with geared, moving towards that idea of an S corporation. But I think the first and foremost thing is kind of understanding what you have. And and, and we always say kind of part of that tax planning process or this, this idea to make, to pay the least amount of taxes legally possible is first just having a, a core understanding of taxes. Like you don't have to be an accountant, but you just have to understand like, how does my business entity taxed? How does this work? And then that second piece is, is building a foundation for your business. And I think this entity is, is a huge part in that foundation of your business. And so we always say, you know, when does an S corporation make sense? First off, when would, why would we decide to be an S corporation? And one of the main reasons that we would utilize the S corporation as a tax strategy tool would be to help uh, minimize the amount of self-employment taxes that we pay. 
And so, you know, we let's set this up the, the stage of when it starts to make sense is that most businesses start out as a sole proprietorship. They're just no entity at all, or they start out as an LLC, which is what we see most commonly, a sole proprietorship or an LLC. And if you're just a sole proprietorship or a single member LLC with no S-corp election, you have to pay your normal income tax rate down 100% of your income. And then you also pay self-employment taxes on your business income as well. And so with a sole proprietorship, single member LLC, we're paying uh, our regular ordinary income tax rate on 100% of our business income, and we're paying self-employment taxes on 100% of our, of our income. And so when we look at an S corporation, what we're trying to do is saying, okay, how can we help minimize the amount we pay in self-employment taxes? And an S corporation is simply just a tax election. It's not an entity structure. You start at the state level. You're just electing for an entity that you already have set up to be taxed as an S corporation at the federal level. And so you need to have either an LLC set up in order to elect S corp status, or you would need to have a corporation set up. And then again, you would elect for it to be taxed as an S corp. But with an S corporation, we take your, your profit or your income and we, we split it into two pieces. As an S corp, you're required to take a reasonable salary as the owner of the company. So you have to take W-2 payroll salary as the owner of the company. And that salary piece is good. You're going to pay self-employment taxes on. But the beauty behind the S corporation is that we split that income into two pieces, the salary, and then anything over and above your salary, we take in an owner's draw or a distribution, and you avoid self-employment taxes on that. And self-employment taxes is 15.3%. So depending on where your income level is, there can be some pretty significant savings there. As an example, if you're making $100,000 a year in profit in your business, as an uh, as a uh, as a single member LLC or a sole proprietorship, you're going to pay your normal income tax rate plus fifteen thousand dollars in self employment taxes. Now we take that same business and say, hey, let's let's do an S corp election. Now we're splitting your income into two, and let's just say as an example, we say fifty thousand dollars is a reasonable salary for for the work that you're doing for your business. Now we're paying self employment taxes on fifty thousand dollars, but we're avoiding it on the $50,000 over and above that. And by simply doing an S-corp election, we're saving $7,500 in taxes in that year. And so that's kind of really the power behind an S-corporation. Now, a lot of people would say, well, well, why don't everybody do an S-corporation all the time, every time? And the reason being is that if your income's at a lower dollar amount or, or some various other situations, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And the, and the reason for that is that with an S-corporation, you're required to take a reasonable salary. So that means you need to take W-2 payroll. There's costs associated with that. You need some type of payroll provider, and there's going to be monthly or annual costs to, to do that payroll piece. So there's costs with payroll, and you also now need to file a separate business tax return, which is going to be a little bit more complex of a tax return. It's still all going to flow through to your personal return, but you have to do a separate filing specific for your business. And there's obviously some costs associated with that. So we typically say once your business starts to hit about $50,000 or more in profit, generally stating that's when an S corporation starts to make sense. Underneath that, it's not necessarily going to hurt you, but the taxes that you save are going to get eaten up by some of those additional costs. End of part one.